to Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep and mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about a little history of the Catalucci Valley and, and other things about life in the Smokies. But first, I'm going to talk about our sponsors. Now, imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat, accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Starts where you stay. I want to mention that today I'm having a nice beer called Solvation from Innovation Brewery in Silva, North Carolina. They say that this particular uh, brand, this particular vintage is a unique IPA. It's a result of Silva's collaborative community and is brought together by a love of both beer and tea. Uh, the beverage, it's a beverage like no other that exemplifies the manifestation of people working together. So fruity, you can practically practically taste the rainbow. It's actually quite good. I don't, I don't, I find it to be very IPA, not too uh, fruity, but I, I think that there's a nice flavor to it. So this is what I'm drinking today. You know that the mountains have lots of breweries. I think that Asheville alone has like 38 uh, breweries. So it's a great place to come and sample the fruits of the. Uh, Beautiful things that are going to making a, a happy beer. Um, coming up in uh, in Waynesville in October is a festival that I recommend you all go to. It's on October 16th, and it's the annual Apple Harvest Festival, and it's in its 34th year of operation. It's a fun, family-friendly festival, and it's owned and operated by the Haywood County Chamber of Commerce, and they take over the streets of downtown Waynesville and fill it with almost 200 arts and craft booths, food concessions, music, cloggers, and more. You know, we have a lot of street dances in, the, in Waynesville, and that's been going on since I was a kid, and they do more street dances with this festival. There'll be local ab- apple growers who set up on the street to sell delicious mountain-grown apples of a vast variety, and there'll be many vendors that are selling apple cider, apple that is October 16th in Waynesville, North Carolina. And it's not too far from Maggie Valley, where you can stay at the Middle Ark Motel and come visit Waynesville for that, that event. So today's uh, episode I mentioned is about Catalucci Valley, and I have somebody here that's done quite a bit in the, in the history of that. Uh, his name is Patrick Womack. He is a Presbyterian minister and a native of Haywood County, who's now serving as a teaching pastor of Bay Presbyterian Church in Bonita Springs, Florida, is a graduate of Western Carolina University and the Reformed Theological Seminary 
and has been a full-time pastor since 1992. He's also a renowned local historian and superb storyteller, imagine as a ministry he probably is, who's uh, produced many historical works for his, for his family and uh, friends and enjoys writing, hiking, hunting. How you doing, Patrick? Doing well. Thank you, Joseph. Patrick, you doing good? Doing right, well. Thank you thank for joining you. the show. So thank you've you. only been in, in Florida for about a year, right? That's right. Just over a year. Uh, so how, you were you serving most of your time in Waynesville. How did you end up in Florida uh, uh, lately? <laughs> well, that's, a, that's an interesting story. Of course, uh, born and raised in Haywood County and stayed there until graduating from Western, went to Mississippi to seminary. And then I was in the Charlotte area for about 18 years before coming back to Waynesville to pastor my home church for about 10 years. And then this church uh, contacted me out of the blue and that began a conversation. And after a lot of prayer and consideration, we <laughs> we decided to load up and move to Florida. Yeah, and, uh, It's been a blessing. Was it the warm weather? <laughs> Is it- well, I, I tell you what, it, it it was nice back in January and February, seeing all those snow pictures while I was sitting out on the back porch, uh, sipping on a fruit punch and just watching the world so, go by. This is, this is sort of your this, this is your working retirement, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, in my line of work, I don't know about retirement. I know that's what I'm saying. You're not going to quit. So this is your this is your, people retire in Florida. So I thought it might be your work in retirement. <laughs> um, well, you know, came down here to teach him how to drive. Yeah. <laughs> so well, this is the first for our show. Right, you're the first ordained minister that we've had as a guest. Uh, so I'll, I'll try to be on good behavior, but I don't think I've started off really very well. Uh, so, uh, so where in Haywood County were you raised? Uh, raised on High Creek. My mom and dad, uh, well, Norma Jean and Charlie Womack settled up on the head of High Creek, built a house there in what's known as Oxner Cove. So I grew up there and then between it and my grandparents' place on Plot Creek, uh, that was my tramping ground. I see. Yeah, I'm, those are nice. Those are nice areas to grow up in. I remember growing up as well. What are your fondest memories of growing up here in Haywood County? Oh, I don't know. Just blessed to have a wonderful family. Uh, Mom and Dad really loved us and took care of us, and uh, so I had free range of our property up there on High Creek, and I loved being in the woods. And then uh, we were within a couple of miles of my mom's parents, Bill and Allie Winchester. And so I had a lot of good, uh, I have a lot of good memories of doing farm work and uh, just tramping around there. I really, it's just being with family growing up. My dad's mother lived close by and we were just really blessed to be around a lot of really good people. I thought you were going to say coming up to Tuscola and seeing me and your brother wrestling. (laughs) That's on the list, but you know, you told me we only have so much time. Um, so, uh, you know, I, um, I understand, you know, Plot asked you to be on this show and he told me a little bit about you and I, I knew, I knew of you, uh, and I remember sort of remember you coming up and watching us uh, wrestle. So, um, <laughs> but you, he said, he mentioned that you were fortunate. You felt that you were fortunate to have some great older mentors when you were a boy. Can you tell us a little bit about them? Oh yeah. Uh, of course, in addition to my parents who obviously were key in my life, uh, grandparents and our our grandfather, especially, of course, he graduated high school with my brother, Dan, and he can tell you as much as I can, but um, 
Papa was just a tremendous influence in all of our lives. We spent a lot of time in the garden, tobacco patch, hayfield, and uh, just was a kind, compassionate, gracious person to be around. And I just loved hearing him talk about growing up. And I don't know why, but uh, we're just interested in that from an early age. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of nice. I remember living here at my grandfather's house, Vines Creek, you know, and you'd go out to the farm and you know, you'd get to pick blackberries or wild strawberries and you get to see the cows. You get to maybe get lucky enough to cut tobacco. <laughs> oh, um, and, a lot of that right it'd be part of that whole uh that whole you know a, a real rural a mountain experience um so and i think there is a great deal of mentorship in just that sort of wisdom of the land right absolutely and you know it wasn't only him but it was a lot of neighbors around us now that i look back people who came in my grandmother's store she ran high creek grocery there on high creek and a lot of older folks came there and then a distant cousin, Alan Hyatt, who was, um, he had a terminal cancer, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he spent a lot of time with me. We would sit out on his front porch and he just told me all kinds of stories. And so there were just a lot of people who fed into my interest. Yeah. Uh, well, who, how do you, uh, what do you think, how, how would, what would you say is the, was the biggest impact in your in later life? You know, how, how did they teach you a way of living? Did they give you some some wisdom that you've just taken through your whole life that you that you remember as being like really impactful? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and my grandfather, especially along with my parents, of course, um, was just a good example. It wasn't always things that were said. It was just noting the way that he and they were respected among the people in the community and you know, I guess that sort of put a desire in me to kind of think, well, I'd like to be like that when I grow up. And I still think that when I grow up, I would still like to be like them. Um, and so watching them and just seeing that, that kind of sound, solid integrity and standing in the community was, was meaningful for me for some reason. It just made an impression on me. But otherwise, just all kinds of wisdom uh, that they used to dispense, you know, along the way. I, Goodness, we could talk about that all evening, I suppose. I suppose, yeah. Well, you know, when I, I, I would go visit my grandfather, my he and my dad would open up and talk about stories, and they'd be getting into funny stories. I don't remember if you had some of them. It'd be one about my grandfather going out trying to shoot a musket and end up uh, forgetting to take out the stick and, you know, and uh, and then shooting the stick out and the shoot and the stick getting the squirrel. And then uh, and another one about... Uh, you know, my dad, I think it was a tall tale, uh, falling into to the uh, into the river and getting up with 12 fish in his pants. <laughs> oh, do, funny. do you have do you remember any uh, funny stories from uh, that time that you grew oh, up? With? Uh, it kind of put me on the spot, but I, yeah, I can think about some. Papa said his father used to talk about a fellow who was uh, building a wagon and they came along and and they were watching him and he was working on the wagon bed and he'd taken a piece of charcoal and had marked a, a B, the letter B on both ends of the wagon bed. And they asked him, said, what in the world's that for? And he said, well, that's so I can tell one from the t'other. He said, it's B for before and B for behind. So I'll know how to put it on the chassis. <laughs> also, 
also remember Papa talking about a fellow who was coming through frog level one time and uh, they had that old bridge there across Richland Creek near where the Howell Mill was. And uh, the old boy hit the side of the bridge and it hurled him through the windshield of the old Model T and he skidded on the pavement or the gravel out there and just nearly took all of his clothes off. And they said, what in the world happened? He said, he admitted to it. He said, well, I got into some dandelion wine he said, I was coming up the street there. And he said, looked to me like there were three bridges. So he said, I just took the one in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's, that's just the, that's, that's the stories of the, our youth. I, I, I really appreciate growing up with them. So uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're, I'm going to talk a little bit more about, uh, you got a vintage Jeep and other couple of interesting things I think we want to talk about. Okay. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, trying to learn how to use the uh, the uh, tools of my trade here, but uh, this is the Gateway to the Smokies podcast, and I have my guest here, Patrick Womack. So, Patrick, uh, talk a little history, a little, a uh, little, you know, spirituality, a little, any number of things. But uh, I think uh, the, you have something that represents both in a way. You have you own a WW two vintage Jeep, right? Can you well, tell? Yeah, it's a 1946 CJ2A. So technically, it's a civilian Jeep that the previous owner painted to look like a, an army Jeep, but it's made all out of surplus parts. And why did you, how did you end up with that? And why did you acquire it? <laughs> I just always wanted an old Jeep. And so yeah. uh, I just started looking for one and a guy had it in a garage down in Fort Mill and went down and looked at it. And anyway, ended up buying it. Did you, did you restore it yourself? No, it was uh, it was good to go. Uh, I've done very little to it. And do you have any other vintage vehicles? No, that's pretty much it. Unless you count a 2012 Honda Accord. <laughs> I call that I call that a vintage vehicle. But <laughs> it have a historic vehicle, right? I'm sorry. What was that? So um, I said I said there must be some historic. There must be some uh, pleasure in having a historic vehicle. Oh, I love driving it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's simple and uh, reminds me of a simpler time. And it's just fun to bump around. Yeah. So um, we had Alex McKay on a, as Alex McKay on as a previous guest, a local historian here. So uh, you two have a lot of, uh, you know, I think uh, similar interests. Uh, when did you become interested in local history? Well, first of all, let me say Alex is bona fide. So it makes me feel better to know you've had some legitimate knowledgeable guests on here. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just kind of was born with this crazy idea to want to know old things. I really cannot explain it. I can think back in my earliest childhood. I just liked hearing about old stuff and have just carried it through life with me. Mm hmm. And I mean, you come from uh, you know deep roots and connections in this in this in this county, uh, and the families here, like the Plot family, who you know Bob Plot brought you on here. Um, you know, how long how long has your family been around here? So on my mother's side, uh, 
about eight generations. Her grandmother was uh, a McClure before she married a Winchester, and the McClures moved into Haywood County sometime in the last decade of the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And then the Winchesters have been in Haywood County since 1829, 1830. And then a number of other family names, Hawkins, Oxner, uh, just several. That's well, nice to have those deep connections, when, especially when you're talking about history. So, you know, now to, you sell yourself short, but I call you an expert historian. It's about the, the Valley of Cataloochee. Uh, it's, it's one of the storied and beautiful places in the National Park. Can you, uh, can you talk about your connection with that? Yes, I can. Uh, initially, my connection came through my uh, aunt who married Harley Caldwell, who was the last person born up there among those old families. Uh, mm-hmm. They moved out in 1938. He was born in 1937. So his parents were still living in my childhood. And even though I wasn't directly related to them, uh, by marriage, I called them Mamaw and Papa Caldwell, Jarvis and Bonnie Caldwell. Mm-hmm. And that was my initial connection. But then I also do have a family connection. My uh, my great-grandmother, Whitener, was a Hall, and she was uh, born there in Cataloochee. And the Hall family, which had settled in just after the Civil War, my great-great-great-grandfather, John Wesley Hall, uh, moved in after in some form or fashion, fighting with the Union, he moved out of East Tennessee into the Valley in the 1860s. So that's mm-hmm. my direct connection. Yeah. And, um, and then you, you got asked to be um, uh, the, uh, the interviewer for a, a local project that, uh, uh, interviewing a lot of the descendants, right? Yes. Uh, so I moved back to Waynesville in 2010 when my home church called me to be the pastor. And immediately, well, pretty soon after moving back, became involved in the Hickwood County Historical and Genealogical Society. And they had the idea of trying to do these interviews of the last generation of Catalucci because we only have a handful of people left who were actually born in the Valley. Mm-hmm. So I became involved in that project of doing those interviews. And then that developed into a a documentary that was sponsored jointly by that organization and Western Carolina University. Mm-hmm. And you, uh, interesting people that you interviewed on that uh, documentary. Oh, wonderful people. Um, you know, I, I think of Mr. Paul Woody, for example, who uh, born, I guess, 1920 or thereabouts on Little Cataloochee just listening to him tell stories about uh, being born there on Woody Creek and how his uh, mother on evenings when she had not had a chance to prepare supper could just go out with a dishpan and dip a mess of trout out of the creek with a dish, with a dishpan and have enough for supper. And uh, just a whole host of other folks. Oh, uh, that had to be a little bit of a tall tale. <laughs> no, I, you know, if, if you read how abundant the trout used to be in those streams. Uh, Turkey, really? Yeah, Turkey George Palmer going up Lost Bottom Creek and uh, catching 200 trout. Of course, Turkey George did tend to, you know, inflate his numbers a little bit, but there are others who testify to the amount of trout that were in those streams. I really don't doubt that story at all. I think it's entirely credible that she did that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be, that would be a wonderful existence to just go out and 
dip it in and pull out your trout and have them for dinner because they're good eating. But uh, I've always had to work to catch them. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not like they're not like that now. No, they're not like that now. Anybody else that told you a story that you remember that's really vivid? Oh, there were a host of them. Um, I can, um, you know, I think about Raymond Caldwell, who was uh, born and raised there in what's now Palmer Creek. Back uh, in the older generation, it was known as Indian Creek. And, uh, you know, he talked about the old grist mill that his father operated there and uh, how somebody in the community had gotten the idea that uh, he had told on them because they would come in there and, and, you know, the millstones were close together to make cornmeal. And sometimes people would slip in there at night and spread those stones out a little bit to crack corn so that they could use it to distill liquor. And they had done that. And, and uh, Raymond said somebody got the idea that his father Jarvis had informed on them because the revenue showed up. So they were in there one day milling and somebody slipped up behind his dad and knocked him in the head, knocked him out. But he said his dad just laughed about it. It wasn't any big deal. <laughs> and, uh, and then he had a cousin who, took a, an electrician's correspondence course through a school in Chicago who figured out how to rig up a little magneto and, uh, and he put it on that grist mill and it produced enough electricity. They ran a, a power cord down to their house, just about a quarter of a mile away. And they were able to run a couple of lights and a radio off of that little generator on their grist mill. So oh, they must've been stars of the community, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool story. Yeah. interviewed them were they a little wistful about not being about that uh, that, that that valley you know it was a mixture there were folks who remembered very well being angry and bitter about having to move off but most of them you know saw it as a mixed blessing they said you know we had to give up our land but you know the land's been preserved at least we can go back to it now and it hasn't been developed um mm. I remember it's funny. This just jumped in my head. There was there was one fella who had negotiated pretty hard with his uh, property, and he finally got a check from the government for his land, and they were making plans to move out. And he got angry at his wife because she was supposed to take the check to Waynesville and deposit it in the bank, and that was going to be what they used to buy their next uh, farm to live on. Well, she had gotten busy and didn't take it. And he was all upset about that. But then he found out later, had she taken that check to Waynesville, the bank had gone out of business. It went broke. And had she deposited it, they would have lost everything. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) There was was that story that came out. That was the Depression, you know, the Great Depression. Wow. Yeah, no, it was was an interesting time. They were moving out. Things were happening pretty bad at that time. and, And they, you know, made room for the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Right. I mean, right. I, I don't know how many people, I guess we started talking about it without explaining it, but the Catalucci Valley is one of the uh, most beautiful uh, places to visit in the, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And it was inhabited up until the, well, probably a long time ago by the Cherokee and then more recently by old, uh, old uh, mostly Scotch-Irish settlers uh, up until the 30s when they were um, paid to leave. Uh, after some negotiations to, uh, to help create the park. Um, so there was a lot of descendants around. I don't think there's any left. Do you know if there's any descendants left? Um, uh, the, uh, from the Catalucci Valley. Are, are those people you interviewed, are there any of them still living? 
there's just a handful left. And yeah. the only ones who are left now, there are very few that actually have a living memory of, of being there. Oh, yeah. Marshall Caldwell would be one who remembers it from childhood. But when Raymond Caldwell passed away a couple of years ago, I think he was probably the last one who actually remembered farming and doing actual work and taking cattle up on those ridge tops. That generation is, is pretty well gone. Now, did you go up and visit quite a bit when you were doing this? Go to some of the hiking stuff, the trails or anything up in the, in the Catalucci Valley? Oh, I've hiked every trail. I have gone off trail. I've found, uh, because the trails that are there now aren't necessarily the ones that the people used. And so I've tried to locate all of those old uh, trails and home places that I possibly could. I've, I've scoured that valley from one end to the other. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it was a great place to go up. Back in the day, didn't church groups go up there and camp up there and have uh, revivals and things like that? They still do, don't they? I'm not sure. I do know that there were some that would go to the group campground and do that. I yeah, I remember that back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, uh, you know, it's 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 a loved place around here. So what's your favorite hiking trail up there? Oh, it depends on what day you ask me. Probably all in all, I enjoy most going up Palmer Creek, uh, uh, pretty hollow trail, and then on up, um, you know, toward Lost Bottom Creek, the tops of those ridges. Those are probably my go-to places. I, I like to get up high as fast as I can, so mm-hmm. gain elevation. There you go. Well, when we come back, I'll talk a little bit more about some other uh, things that you might have done uh, of interest to our audience. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Patrick Walmack. So, Patrick... Uh, I really, I really want to paint a picture for our audience about how beautiful Catalucci Valley is. It's such a great place to visit. Uh, is there any other special places in your heart up there? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the whole area. Um, I love to go up um, to the end of the valley and go up by the old Woody House and, the, you know, the Rough Creek Trail. And then everything on Caldwell Fork is great. A wonderful hike is to go to what they call the Boogerman Trail named after a man named Robert Palmer, who, um, who was called Booger Man in his childhood. He owned most of the property that that trail encompasses. That's a great walk. You can go through there and see some large timber and some good views and some old stone fences that are still in place. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a great place to go. What are some of the, there's some old buildings up there too. What's your, which ones are your favorite old buildings? There are, of course, being a pastor, I naturally am am drawn to churches, Um, you know, Palmer Chapel, United Methodist, not just because it's a church, I've got some good memories of sitting in there during the homecoming services that are held each year in in childhood, sitting up there with Jarvis Caldwell, who back in the day led the singing and the worship services. I well remember sitting next to him, and even though he was the grandfather of my first cousins, he would introduce me as his youngest grandson. That always made me feel good, even though I wasn't. And then, uh, of course, over in Little Catalucci, you got a hike to get in there, but uh, the Baptist Church, that, that community known as Ola back in the day, but Little Catalucci Baptist Church, that's a great place to go to, and I, I love to do that. And they're, they're great picnicking around those places, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anywhere. Uh, Anywhere's a great place. Huh? Yeah. Well, well, it's time for bugling season in, in, uh, for the elk in Catalucci about now. September, you know, so... Uh, uh, we actually had two two uh, elk come down Soco Road and uh, 
the, the Sutton's Antique Store recently. So um, I started out uh, reintroduced in Catalucci Valley. Where's the where, where's the best place to go view elk in uh, Catalucci Valley? Oh, those upper fields, undoubtedly. Uh, you go up by the old ranger station. Sometimes you'll find some there, but most of them are up in those fields, either below Palmer Chapel or just above uh, as you, you know, get onto the gravel part of the road. Mm-hmm. Any advice on how to view them? Anything that you shouldn't do? Yeah, keep your distance. Always, <laughs> you know, those elk seem pretty tame, you know, and you get pretty close to them. But, you know, those are big, powerful animals. You don't want to tangle with one of those things. You go one-on-one with an elk, you are not going to come out well. So No, no, I don't think so. They got some big antlers, some of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, you, you know, you, you were in this DVD, right, about the, the yeah. history. Yeah, where can people get a copy? You know, having been away for over a year now, uh, not exactly sure. I know that Teague Superette going into Maggie Valley uh, used to keep them on hand. Blue Ridge Books generally had some. Uh, otherwise, you know, contact somebody with the Haywood Historical Genealogical Society. All right. Um, have you written any books about the, this area? No, no. I, people tell me I need to write books. I just don't have time. I've got all kinds of notes and stuff that I refer to, but maybe one of these days I'll get organized enough. To write. I kept thinking that you, I had the same thought. I kept saying, well, he must've written a book and I was looking for one and I couldn't find one. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's a destiny right there. I think that's something that's telling you, you need to write a book. All right. Oh. Yeah. You're, oh, you're, now, you're now retired in Florida, so you need, to, <laughs> <laughs> you need to take your time and write that book we want to hear about, right? Yeah, like, like I said, when I posted this thing, I can, I can see some several former teachers and professors reaching for Maylocks when that thought comes up. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of you know, being a Florida ministry, I mean, what, what, what led you to the ministry? I mean, I don't remember. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good question. Well, you know, I was raised in church. Our parents uh, brought us up in a wonderful way. And so I was in worship in Sunday school growing up at the Hazelwood Presbyterian Church, but I never gave any thought to being a preacher. People would say something to me as a kid. If, you know, mama dressed us up and put a little tie on me or something, and somebody would say, you look like a preacher. And I didn't like that very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was actually my junior year in high school, in the 11th grade, I decided to run for student body president. And for the first time, I got up in front of a big group of people, and as my grandmother used to say, made a talk. I got up and, and made a campaign speech, and I said something like, you know, ask not what your school can do for you, but, you know, and um, anyway, I won. I won pretty handily, and uh, I remember walking out of the auditorium that day, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I had this inward conviction that was like, what are you going to do with it? And it scared me. But that began a process in which I realized if I could get in front of people and talk, I had to ask myself, what was I going to do with it? And so, uh, yeah, just through a process of prayer and talking to people that I had a lot of confidence in, it eventually narrowed down to gospel ministry. That's great. And you've been doing it since, what, 1992, right? Yes, full time. I, I preached my first sermon in June of 1986. I was only 19 years old, and I told them more than I knew. But uh I've been trying to do it since then. I tell people when I grow up, I want to be a preacher. And you, <laughs> me too. Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll preach about beer though. <laughs> uh, 
I, you got, I, saw, I actually went out with your sermons and you're really good at it. So I was pretty impressed. I love your your church down in Florida. You got that backdrop of the of the water and everything. It's it's really nice. Yeah, yeah it it's a beautiful beautiful scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so. really nice. Somebody asked me if we baptize people back there. I told them no. That's a gator pit for people to get cold. <laughs> Is that the burning lake? Uh, <laughs> I wonder where I wonder where that was. <laughs> no, it's a it's a pretty setting. It really is. Okay. Oh yeah. So, um, so, um, do you, you've, you've also done some talks on the history of the Catalucci Valley, right? Yeah. Here and there, um, on occasion, Alex McKay, of course, a good friend of mine who's done so much research. I'm so grateful for that guy. He has been instrumental in, in me speaking on a couple of occasions. And then, you know, just here and there, when I get a chance, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I love to do it. Cool. Any, any plan? Any, is there any plans on it in the future or, or just, just as it comes up? Just as it comes up. I don't know of anything specific in the future. Uh-huh. You, um, have you, you, I know you said you hadn't written any books, but what books would you recommend to people to read about Cadalucci Valley and the history of, uh, of the, the Great Smokies or other things related to visiting here? Oh, wow. Um, you know, the book on Catalucci that's been my go-to is is long out of print. It's Catalucci Lost Settlement of the Smokies by Elizabeth Powers and Mark Hanna. Um, that's just some good narrative history there. And um, of course, Hattie Caldwell Davis was a good friend of mine. I've I've appreciated, you know, much of what she said. Um actually, I think the the book on Catalucci is yet to be written. And I frankly, honestly, don't think I'm the person to do it. I think there's some people out there. I hate to drop names, but there's a guy named Lynn Nolan who could do this astounding job with it. Otherwise, uh, you know, books on Haywood County uh, written by William Clark Medford, W.C. Allen, they are just some really good go-to works. And then thinking about others that, um, you know, others that are written, I know Michael Frome has, uh, has written a, you know, a good one. Are we back? Look like you're muted there. Hey, I'm back. Did you miss me? Yeah, I'm back. Are you back? Uh, I think it was me who got kicked off. I think that, uh, you, you were, you were still alive. I hope so. <laughs> I hope That's that. a first for me. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you kept uh, you kept explaining the, the books and stuff. I'll 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 have to listen to the recording to find out what she said. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't I didn't name any. I was just kind of going over things I wish were written. Uh, is there any other historical projects you've done in uh, Haywood County or, or that are, are that might be of interest? Well, not really. I, I mean, one of the talks that I got to make was at the uh, the old Haywood County courtroom where I talked about High Creek and Plot Creek. And um, I've also I've also done um, 
an interview on the history of Sanuk, uh, which is, uh, you know, below Balsam Gap along the old highway. Uh, there's just a lot of rich history. Can you there. summarize the history of, is there a way to summarize that for people? A Sanuk? Well, Sanuk, uh, you know, was one of the earliest areas settled in Haywood County once the uh, Indian boundary was pushed further west. And, um, you know, just a lot of formative families settled in there, farmed it. Uh, of course, when the highway came through in the 1960s, that changed the whole nature of the place. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, they had a school and church, and um, it was a thriving community there, just like Adelucci was at one time. Yeah, that's it's sort of surprising. You know, you see the mountains today, and, you know, you go through the, the, the Great Smokies Mountains, and you see Maggie Valley, you see... You know, you see some townships like Iron Duff and Cab Crabtree and things like that. But you don't realize there was actually a lot of more of these little townships in the mountains. And what some of them are totally gone and some are semi-preserved. Um, you know, there was a, a history. And you know, recently, my dad was telling me about, you know, there was this flooding. He said Maggie Valley used to have a lot more flooding because there used to be farmland in all the mountains. That You know, that one of the reasons they created the Great Smoky Mountains is because the mountains are going bald and they wanted to, you know, keep that, keep that natural beauty intact. Yeah. yeah my grandfather remembered when uh, much of Plot Creek was underwater after a pretty severe flood. It was probably the 1916 one, but I think that was a direct result of the heavy logging in the upper end of that Creek. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a break now. Uh, and when we come back, let's talk about a few of your favorite places in Haywood County. Okay. Howdy, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Patrick Wilmack. So Patrick, you know, I've been sitting here drinking and savoring this beer, and it's called Solvation, which I did not pick because you saved souls, but uh, it's kind of ironic that's the name of it. <laughs> uh, uh, I wonder if it's okay to ask a Presbyterian minister if he has a favorite place to have a cold beer. And I know you don't drink. You told me that earlier. But uh, does, is there any place that your parishioners like to go to? You know, I honestly don't know. Uh, I hear people talk about it, but I, it's just not anything I've done. I made a promise years ago that I wouldn't drink, and I, and I don't. Yeah. You know, I know there are a number of places around that people enjoy going to. Well, you know, the Hazelwood Smokehouse, right, is, oh, yeah. has been called one of the top 20 barbecue places in the nation. That's it's, got eight, it's got eight wonderful sauces. And uh, I really love that place. And they have the best craft brew. So now you know the answer to say that we're going to go in Hazelwood. <laughs> well, hey, and, you know, plug-in barbecue. We had uh, two couples from our church here in Bonita Springs that wound up in Western North Carolina. Both of them went to Haywood Smokehouse and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. it's. I had some friends from uh, New York City that had that sort of little, you know, snootiness thing going on. Uh, but I, I love it, too. You know, I love all. I love down home. I love snoot. Uh, but uh, they thought it was the best thing they'd ever had too, and they actually ordered and, and keep ordering the, the barbecue sauce. Yeah, so it is it is definitely um, a fabulous place. So, 
you know, I, I like to ask my guests about a, an itinerary. So you lived in the Hazelwood, Waynesville area for a mm-hmm. good while. So, you know, we're, we're trying to entice visitors to come out and experience our culture here. So I like to ask about a, a day itinerary that you might uh, go and do in that area. So uh, if somebody's awake up in the morning and want a good place to go to breakfast, where would they go? Well, I like Beach Mountain and Hazelwood community. Uh, it is located where the old Hazelwood drugstore used to be. And I grew up going in there eating lunch and in the afternoons getting good cheeseburgers. And so just out of sentimental reasons, I like to go there. But the food is really good. I've eaten there twice since it opened. It, it, it's, it's good stuff. And what, what's their signature dish there? Oh, I'm not sure what that would be. They've okay. uh, their eggs, bacon, grits, pancakes, everything seems to be good. They have, they have a brunch menu. So oh, cool. Yeah. And then what after breakfast, where would somebody go to have a little bit of fun? <laughs> well, I mean, I just enjoy going uptown. Uh, yeah. Looking for something to do, uh, you know, for sentimental reasons as much as anything. I just love to get on Main Street, love to go to Mass General Store and check out things there. Just enjoy walking around. That's, that's Waynesville. That's Waynesville Main Street. So Hazelwood's now part of Waynesville, which when that's we were right. growing up, they were two little different cities. But now Hazelwood is just is, is now a uh, uh, I guess a township or something inside of uh, Waynesville. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it is simply a part of Waynesville. So, you know, right across from Beach Mountain, you've got, uh, you've got Smoky Mountain Roasters, you've got uh, Blue Ridge Books, um, yeah. you've, got, you've got a soap company right there. I mean, there's a lot right there. And then, um, then you head right up to Main Street of Waynesville. There's, that's just, that's a whole day of entertainment right there. Yeah, you so, uh, and there. where would you stop to have lunch? Well, of course, you guys, I'm a hometown boy. So most of the yeah. time I'm at home and a little bit of time I've got, my go-to place is Ammons Drive-In. Um, oh, yeah, you know, I remember that. That, that. My dad, you know, built that place. Okay, okay. Right. Yeah. You know, going there, getting a hot dog, a chuck wagon. I mean, I meet my, my old hunting buddy, Carol Wayne Craig. That's just our go-to meeting place. So I'm And they still do drive, you know, you can you drive, they'll come up to your window. It's like an old-fashioned drive-in. They'll yeah. come right up to your window, take your order. It's really cool. And it, like it's country food, but it's like country food done really well. It's country fast food done really well. There's not a thing there that you can't buy that ain't, is not good. All right. And while you know I'm I'm trying to eat healthy and you know and everything else, and it's not exactly the most healthy food. It's the best tasting food you're going to have. Not exactly health food, but it is good. Yeah. And then what would you do in the afternoon to have a little fun? Well, of course, you know, I'm apt to go hiking somewhere, but, um, you know, I love to get up on the parkway. My wife and I were able to do that our last trip up and, uh, you know, just there in Waynesville, you can be at the highest point on the Blue Ridge Parkway within 30 minutes and, or be up at Water Rock Knob. So, you know, those are, I'm more inclined to find something to do outside than I am, uh, you know, shopping or looking at something around town. Well, it's sort of the purpose of uh, this this podcast is to talk about the outside experience that you hear, the adventures you can have. I mean, you can have wonderful culinary experiences and, you know, entertainment and everything else. But at the end of the day, you know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you still there? No. Yes. Yeah. So um, what about dinner? Where's your, where, where would you recommend somebody go to have a nice dinner here around here? You know, of course, we love burgers. Uh, Church Street Depot is a good go-to place for us. Uh, we do enjoy going there or ordering out 
from there. We ate there recently. And, um, you know, Sweet Onion's a good place to go to. Oh, yeah. You know, and I, of course, again, being a hometown boy, I'm just as apt to wind up at Clyde's as anywhere. So, um, well, Clyde's is your classic old diner. I mean, it's been around for a hundred years, but, uh, but Sweet Onion, I think, is, uh, is, a, is a great recommendation. I mean, that's got some real chefs involved with it, and it does some really uh, different takes on classic country food. But you know, with uh, you know mo- some modern twist to it, I, I just. Uh, but it still serves the big portions, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's emblematic of uh, Haywood County food. You get a big plate of food, but it's really good. It's uh, it's got some twist to it that I think are fantastic. Uh, so after after you finish this wonderful meal, where would you settle down and have a little entertainment? Mm, well, you're talking to one of the biggest homeboys you're gonna have Ah, oh we're not talking tv here i mean there's gotta be something no no i mean i i I enjoy sitting out on the porch our our daughter who still lives there in town uh she has a wonderful porch to sit on up on high creek so you know after supper (laughs) we're probably just i I think that's a good actually a good point because you know i sit out in front of the motel here when i'm here and just look at the mountains you know it's there's a certain peace and a serenity just looking out you know saying hi to friends or walking by you know or people even people that you don't know they'll wave at you yeah right yeah and and it's a and it's a it's sort of an essence of like a a community experience uh and an aesthetic experience at the same time because nowhere you look that 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 isn't beautiful right so Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. So how do uh, people find out more about your historical uh, efforts? (laughs) Well, you know, I posted some videos on Facebook, which are very amateur. You know, it pretty much consists of me having an iPhone and a tripod. Ah. You know, I like to tell stories. I'm trying to preserve stories. And since I haven't been disciplined enough to write them down, I've, I've been doing these videos. So, you know, if you look up Patrick J. Womack on Facebook, you probably will find some little something there that won't ever make its way beyond there but anyway give them an idea of what i know cool and and uh your church i mean for people to go there for a service just for the beauty of it where do they go find out more about your church well of course that's uh com. they can uh you know look that up online or you know come visit us uh, down here on tamiami trail in bonita springs just off of it um, on Bay Drive. And what's your, what's your church in Hazelwood again? Hazelwood Presbyterian Church. The pastor there, Steve Musio, and I actually graduated seminary together. He's a good friend and a wonderful preacher, and and uh, that's a good congregation. So I certainly encourage people to check cool. it out. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, being on this show uh, and sharing your insights into uh, Haywood County and Cataloochee Valley. And uh, I, I want to thank you very much for being here. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. So uh, we are part of the talkradio.nyc network, which is a network of live podcasts all week long. Uh, We are always on Tuesdays from um, 6 to 7 p.m. We're followed by a good show about New York. So stick around, listen to that show. Uh, talks about you know, visiting New York. So you can go from rural North Carolina to metropolitan New York and a complete uh, experience of the world, so to speak. Uh, and I recommend that you find out the other podcasts on this network. You can hear some of the commercials 
we have a wide diversity <laughs> of uh, shows on this. And I think it, it creates a, a great uh, experience to listen to. You can find out more about this show at, um, at uh, gatewaytothesmokies.fun, where there's an email uh, subscription. You can sign up to get more information about the show. There are also previous podcasts or uh, uh, videos are streamed as well as audio. And, that, and various articles that you could read. And sometimes we also have some of the books and things of our, of our guests up there that you can uh, find out more information about. Um, I, uh, I have a adventure that's Smokies plural at singular.com, which is a leading portal for information about visiting the Smoky Mountains. It uh, presents information about outdoor adventures, indoor adventures, family entertainment, um, you know, from ATV to waterfall viewing to hiking to, to anything that you might want to do in the mountains. And it has a lot of roadmaps and travel guides and uh, books that you can buy to help make your experience in the Smokies much more fulfilling. I want to thank you for being on the show and I'll see you next Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m.